I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Black Professionals. I'm Nicole. And I'm Stefan. And today we have Serena with us, the founder of Elevate. Elevate is a platform which provides career advice to young adults. And today she'll be talking to us about how to get a job after graduation. So welcome, Serena. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me um, on the podcast. I really enjoy listening to some of the episodes you've had so far. So thanks for having me. No problem. No problem. So let's start, I guess, right from the beginning. Why did you decide to start Elevate? Yeah, so I started Elevate because of kind of what I've seen through my job as a graduate recruiter over the last couple of years. So, I mean, the main idea is to give um, young adults specifically of a BAME background or low socioeconomic background a bit of a leg up because what I've seen through kind of working in different companies as a graduate recruiter is that those you know people from private schools as it were or that go to a Russell Group University for example they seem to know exactly how to interview exactly how to do their applications and then they then tend to do better and kind of outperform others that just don't have that insight or don't have access to the same level or standard of resources Mm. so Mm -hmm. that's mainly why I started Elevate is just to help those people that don't have that and I think Instagram is a really accessible platform so yeah Yeah, I'd agree Instagram is very accessible to kind of get your content and material out there and what is really good about your kind of Instagram page slash presence is that you break it down and make it digestible for people to consume so it doesn't feel so overwhelming and you're giving like real life career stories as well. So you can see how someone's progressed from university to what other, whatever career they've ended up in. Yeah, I really like that series. I started that not too long ago. And I just thought people need to be able to see how others have gotten to positions where they might want to um, eventually be. Mm. And it's not always clear. And you don't always necessarily want to um, kind of, reach out to random people on LinkedIn so it's a bit easier if it's on my platform and there's different people featuring every week yeah do people reach out to you like in the DMs yes a lot okay Um, interesting because of my job obviously a lot of people want to know how they can get 
into my company. So I work um, as a graduate recruiter at a top 10 UK accountancy firm. So it's basically the big four and then we're called like a mid-tier size firm. So we're kind of in the middle of that top 10. Um, and yeah, people reach out to me all the time. Really? Sometimes with really basic kind of messages like oh, what roles are available and I just redirect them to the website. But sometimes it's more like, you know, what can I do to improve or I didn't make it past the first round or the second stage of the application process. You know, what can I do? Help me. And I try and do my best. And then there was someone that was interested in getting into graduate recruitment like me. And I gave her a lot of my time and kind of explained everything. Um, so, yeah, mm, I'm always on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. Helping the people. Helping the people, Trying helping to. the people them. <laughs> but it's interesting what you said about the career stories, because that's what, Steph, I think we spoke about in one of our earlier podcasts about it's people don't share their journeys enough. So it looks like they've just gone from zero to 100, but actually mm. you've not seen the struggle or how they've bounced around to different jobs or how they, you know, took really junior roles before they ended up in that senior role. You don't see, people don't often share that journey and mm. so it doesn't feel real to people, if that makes sense. It doesn't feel like, well, how can I ever get there? Because I don't even know, like, what steps they would have taken. Mm. So I think exactly. sharing the journeys, the struggles, and also the good stuff, too, is really important. Yeah. People yeah. don't speak enough about that. Yeah. I definitely want to get both of you um, to feature as well, because... I'm yeah. sure you have quite we'll, we'll be happy to. to. Yeah. So there, there's so many struggles to share. <laughs> <laughs> so many struggles of consulting. <laughs> Just rehash one of the ones we've already spoken about. Yeah. <laughs> but we've Pasta got more. Syn- yeah. Pasta syndrome, promotion, pay rises, not knowing what you're doing in life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So right. should we dive straight in? Yeah. Then? Let's get into those tips. Let's get into the nitty gritty. So the first tip that you have, what what would what's that going to be? Yeah, so I think my first tip for graduates, I kind of thought of the tips as to what I would have kind of wanted to know or wish I knew mm. when I was um, graduating in final year a couple of years ago. So the first one is not to only focus on applying for graduate schemes. I think that's all you... It's not all you see, but that's the main thing that's being pushed to you. I don't know, by university careers advisors. That's kind of all you're seeing is this graduate scheme, that graduate scheme, and usually at some of the the largest companies um, in the world. And it's like, okay, do you know how many people are going to be applying for those? How competitive it is? Maybe have a look outside of that. So that's the basis of my, my first tip. It's just to not only focus on applying for those, but on kind of entry-level grad jobs and in other industries and sectors, you know, maybe outside of, I don't know, accounting or consulting. Yeah, that's actually, I think that's a really good point because one way I see it is that I agree, like, when I was applying for grad jobs, the only thing in my mind was grad jobs, like, graduate schemes if it didn't have the word scheme on it I wasn't or joining. graduate on it I wasn't <laughs> applying for it I agree right yeah. and and I feel like that's partly because of um some of the entry-level jobs are not very clear that of what level they're for True. and it's, it's like not 100% clear of like 
who they can I apply for that? Yeah. Are they looking for a graduate who basically knows nothing, or mm. is it you know is this really for me? And I also think that sometimes people are so set on the you know those jobs with the word graduate or or scheme in it that they don't realize that that there's other directions that they could take to also get to that endpoint. Yeah, like, I yeah. think about your story, Nicole. <laughs> like, you can take parallel roads because, like, you gave your career story in an early episode, but you can take parallel roads to get to the same place. Yeah, but the thing is, is that with the so with the grad schemes, it's fancy, isn't it? So I think that's why so many people focus on it. And as you said, Serena, your uh, the university career advice they always push you in those directions go to a grad scheme at Unilever go to a grad scheme at BT you know, they always go to the big companies yeah. and so you think that that is where it's at like you think that is where you need to go to to be able to succeed after university yeah. and I mean well, that, that, definitely that was where my mind was at. I was like if it's not a grad scheme I don't want to go yeah. there <laughs> yeah. everything everything other than that is you know beneath me um but I eventually did end up in one of those kind of entry-level jobs because I didn't get a grad scheme initially. Mm. But I think that's where a lot of the thinking comes from, like that's the only job. And then, as yeah. you said, with the entry roles, it's not clear whether that's for you. Like the way I got my entry-level job was, that wasn't a grad scheme, was through a recruiter in the end. But it's mm-hmm. not, if I was just looking for it by myself, I don't think I would have applied because I thought, oh, that's not for me. They want someone more, like, experienced. Mm. Yeah. I think and, things have become easier, I would say, since kind of we graduated. <laughs> <laughs> but now you can go on LinkedIn, job search, filter it by entry level, and mm. there will be lots of things, and they will say graduate in them. Oh, okay. Whereas before, it just wasn't obvious at mm. all, really. I, did, I didn't even think about anything that wasn't a graduate scheme. I didn't mm. really, obviously I knew it was there, but not to the point where I knew how to, to find those jobs, if that makes sense. And I forget, yeah, of course, there's LinkedIn because back in, well, definitely in me and Stefan's day, LinkedIn wasn't really. Anything. It was there, but you wouldn't really use it to find a job back then. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I was I was talking about parallel roads because I feel like, you know, what you did is um, you, you got that entry level job and then like a year or so later, you got the grad scheme job anyway as well yeah so you still ended up in where you wanted to go in the first place but you just had to take a parallel road yeah and you know there are there's the limited number of spaces especially nowadays like with mm. the pandemic and what com- who companies are hiring how many people they're hiring these mm. days like you might have to take a parallel road to get to the same place mm. so exactly. people need to consider that i think yeah i'm just trying to remember what grad schemes actually got to the final um stages of I think it was BT obviously super competitive that was for HR grad scheme because I knew I wanted to get into HR which narrowed it down a fair amount then there was um the civil service fast stream Mm. um and then there was someone else oh cancer research UK again that's the biggest charity in the UK so I I remember yeah yeah they're big so would you say that those entry-level type jobs do they pay as much as the grad schemes um probably not grad schemes starting salaries for those large companies are very high Uh, I'm not gonna lie like 
it can't quite be matched by entry level job but what I would say is that you can progress quicker in an entry level job because you're not tied into a two year three year plus program mm. um and you get more exposure I would say again because it's not a strict program um so I think there are a lot of benefits to going entry level I personally went entry level um and I think for kind of the industry that I'm in like or just within HR there's no need to be doing a grad scheme there's just no need <laughs> okay interesting so tip number two then yeah so tip number two again I, sh- I needed to hear this when I was graduating quality over quantity when it comes to the job applications mm. I was honestly applying for any HR grad scheme I didn't care the sector industry the company I was not bothered just literally anything and everything and however many I could kind of put out in in a day and it, there was no structure or anything to it and it was just a mess and I think if I had just put a decent amount of time and effort into a few I would have done a lot better um instead of just kind of because I used to have like these generic answers that I would copy mm. and paste from a word doc into the application form when they had like competency questions or questions about why you want to work there and just kind of edit a little bit um that is never going to cut it for those competitive um grad scheme yeah roles so yeah quality and quantity what do you mean by quality though yeah so the quality of the application you're putting forward so if you're spending let's say two hours or hour and a half on one application I think that's a good amount of time then the quality is what are you saying how are you coming across how much prep and research have you done into the company into what they're looking for have you reached out to someone that's got that role already um, who's on the grad scheme and be like how you know how did you you know get through the stages what are they looking for what should I do how much effort have you really put in to answering the questions have you put in all of your education or just your your degree stuff like that those are the small stuff that will mm. you know kind of even make you get through to the next round or not and people don't really think about that I find that one tricky though because on some of my applications I applied for must have been you know 60 to like 70 grad schemes or maybe even more like literally tens and tens of grad schemes all the companies you can name I applied there mm-hmm. and um to do applications like to spend like hours and hours on them and then to get rejected because some of them you spend hours and hours and then you then you get through to the test and then you fail the test anyway yeah so then it's like <laughs> Well, I didn't even, you know, I'm sure no one even read my response because the test is the, um, that it's is like true. the gateway. Yeah. Yeah. So then it's true. like, it's only helpful if you pass the test and then someone's there to read it. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I do. I feel like it is definitely quality, but it's, it's a bit of a numbers game at the same time. Cause it's, you're trying to just get as many out there. Yeah. I think for me, I had the same issue with the test. So I realized I need to actually put effort into the test more than mm. the application forms because that was what was holding me back 
so I at university they had like a I don't know a team or whoever that supported you with practicing the test I went there you know um for me that's putting in the decent amount of work do you know what I mean whereas some people were just not passing and then just doing it again and just doing it again not really mm. doing the practice tests that are usually freely available with the company and there's also other websites um to this day that you can practice them on they weren't doing it they just just kept banging out application after application not really focusing on where you went wrong and trying to improve that mm, that's a really good point that's a really good point I think I was probably one of those people because I felt like I would try and do the practice but the practice stuff was always way easier than yeah. the actual <laughs> test so it just felt like well what's even the point I so agree. in the end I ended up just applying for jobs that didn't have that because I felt like it was a stupid I still think it's a stupid way to wean people it's just it's just I a agree. way to wean people out it mm. doesn't actually show or prove anything Mm, and it true. just and it's just like I just don't see the point of it. Even those silly personality tests that they have or cultural fit tests, I'm like, whatever. Yeah. You know what, yeah, yeah, I get it sometimes with the graduate schemes because the sheer number of people. Yeah, because you have thousands of people. But when those yeah. small companies want to give you like a uh, you know, a verbal reasoning, you know, thinking that you're I don't know, a virgin media who gets thousands of applications, if you're a hundred people company and you wanna give me those tests, I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like literally no because you yeah. don't even you, what even warrants you to have that you're not having thousands of applications sorry mm. that sounds really harsh to the small companies <laughs> but I think um, you have to like people have to be picky as grads as to where they want to apply to and I know that's so exactly. much easier said than done yeah a lot easier said you, than done because you just and I, know, and you I might get end it up with nothing uh, yeah, and I get it because I was the person who like I need to go anywhere I need to get like any job after uni and stuff like that yeah but if you just take the time to find someone that's going to work for you and think about, you know, are you going to be someone where you can learn and grow and you're going to be working until you're 60, 65, so actually a couple of years out when you leave uni at 21 isn't going to make the biggest amount of difference. I think you can, I don't know, start your career on the right right foot, but much easier said than done. I know mm. that. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. I'm just trying to remember, I think it was my sister she applied for l'oreal and oh, they yeah. had their series of tests and she failed the first time but they really liked her application form so they allowed her to retake it and then she failed again <laughs> and then they were like okay no but i was thinking surely you would just kind of because it, it wasn't like every single test she failed i think it was just one mm. and i was like that shows that they're not worth much to be honest and they're a yeah. bit of just yeah just to filter out applications because it's really unfair because if you clearly like that applicant and you want to see them why won't you just kind of give them a chance yeah, yeah give them a chance think okay maybe the tests aren't that important I'm hoping they took it out the next year after kind of that but prob yeah probably not <laughs> that's a great example of why they're not yeah. when I was applying the one thing that I avoided was companies that gave me tests because there was a few companies that gave me those numeric tests, verbal reasoning tests, and hey, I'm, I'm just not great at those tests. So I applied to companies that weren't doing any tests, and mm -hmm. is there where I had the most success. Mm -hmm. But they had lots of other stages, like interviews and stuff, because, hey, I can talk to you. I can, you know, 
say how much I love this company and how much I want to work here and all that stuff, but that verbal reason is not going to be useful, is no, it? No, it's absolute yeah. nonsense. Yeah. One thing that you said that surprised me was um, you said people don't put all of their education, they just put their degree. I thought, isn't that all they want? Degree? No. So for a lot of um, grad jobs, they still need to know, like part of the entry requirements is that you've got decent A-levels and uh, decent maths, English, GCSE. So it shows that you've not put much effort into your application if you, A, haven't realised that that's part of the entry requirements and B, haven't bothered to then put that in. It's like, okay, you clearly applied for a lot of other places and just didn't can be bothered, basically. Oh, okay. So it's because it's mentioned in the entry requirements and you didn't yeah, put it in? Yeah, it's okay. on the job description. So, so put it in. Because we're going to have to f- find out eventually anyway, which is why we asked them to, to fill it in on the form. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's the next tip? Tip three. Uh, f- tip three was to tailor um, your application. So this is kind of linked to tip two. So your CV, your cover letter, your job application needs to be tailored to the specific role and company that you're applying for. And people are not doing it. Like I said, I personally was using generic things and just changing the company name, um, yeah. for example. So you you just can't expect to do well if you're not tailoring this, you know, using the keywords from the job description, using kind of the research that you've done on the company, like putting in their cultures, their values, some of their, some of their kind of company keywords, as it were. Mm. Kind of tailoring it completely is what everyone is looking for, whether that's grad scheme or entry-level job or anything else you know I always feel a bit conflicted on this one because Mm -hmm. although I fully get I have to tailor my CV for that company and show that this is I'm applying for you and this is for you Mm -hmm. I still feel like my CV represents me and the me is the same no matter who I'm applying to especially around the CV part like yeah this is who I am. This is what I've done. So why would I change it for anybody else? But if you're a, if you're a grad though, the cover letter allows you to put in extra stuff, maybe the extracurricular yeah. stuff that you did at uni. If you're an experienced yeah. hire, I don't get it. But if you're a grad, because that's what I use my cover letter for when I was a grad to be like, oh, I did this and I did this and I did this at uni. Yeah. So yeah. for me, the cover letter is like, yeah, I did all this at uni, but that's still you. That still doesn't change for who you're applying to maybe yeah. there's one paragraph in there that's like and i want to apply to you your company because the role suits me etc 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 um yeah so yeah. i always feel a bit conflicted and i always also feel a bit like cringy as well like <laughs> well do you know what it's funny to say that because this is a thing that a lot of um black people don't do and they're not very good at Mm. when it comes to applying and when it comes to working in general like just bigging up themselves Mm. because a lot of that interview stuff I found was you really having to especially when you have you at the assessment centers people at the assessment centers are good like I was I always feel like I'm a strong interviewer and that's not to pick myself up but I've, I've been I've had a lot of interviews and I feel like I interview well 
but other people at assessment centers are so so strong I don't know where they come from I don't know what <laughs> stock they are they're getting bred from but they're confident they speak well they're articulate like they're funny they're likable all of that stuff yeah so I feel like and they can like big themselves up in the right amount that's not arrogant it's like the right tone and yeah. it's that part that I think is really really tricky that black people don't always do is big themselves up when they've got a job and in that interview process as well yeah because it's not comfortable for us no so we, no one our parents don't do it yeah. like we, do, we haven't been brought up where like we got overly like I don't know a lot of um positive feedback like it wasn't really something that well for me at least happened in the household mm. to therefore feel comfortable to be like oh I did a really great job at this and da, 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 and take it forward yeah you're meant to be humble so you've grown up the whole your whole life trying to be as humble as humanly possible yeah. then all of a sudden you're meant to talk yourself up it doesn't come naturally so I I always say I put on an act um mm. after going to some of those assessment centers and realizing like the competition I was like okay I need to bring out my acting skills and just try and emulate that kind of persona they're, they're projecting because I realized that that's what the people you know the people hiring wanted that's what they liked so I was like okay that's not naturally me but I can act I, I did drama GCSE <laughs> <laughs> okay so that's what I do now so I try and come across as enthusiastic as humanly possible super smiley it feels to me super cringe and like an <laughs> obvious act but it's not to the the hiring managers um, and the recruiters. They love and it. It's not that I'm not being myself because the things I'm saying, kind of as Stefan was saying, it's, it's, it's the same me. Um, it's all facts. But I just kind of play up uh, to it a bit and it's helped me be more successful yeah. at interviews, 100%. Yeah, there's definitely a correlation there. I, I, it happens for me as well. Like, I, I, you know when I was saying cringy. Mm-hmm. What, what I meant by that was like um, I had to tailor my CV and say how much I love this company and how much I want to work there and I find that cringy because I don't necessarily love your company that much uh, like yeah. you're you're actually number 15 <laughs> on my list yeah. <laughs> I agree yep. I agree and the companies the funny thing is the companies that I really wanted to work for like I've, I always really wanted to work for Unilever and they were like the first ones to reject me (laughs) (laughs) and the companies I weren't really that keen to work for I suddenly for some reason got through to the interview stages yeah Yeah. (laughs) and talking about rejection uh, I think your next tip was don't take rejection personally yeah so I literally did a post on this this week so I think from what I've seen and kind of my own experiences you you're applying for all of these schemes you're literally desperate to get a a grad job or get onto a grad scheme and you are taking rejection personally like you feel like it's something that you've done wrong or you you're not good enough um or the other person was better but that's not always the case um from my experience now I'm on the other side there's so many other different factors in place as to why you were, why you didn't get the job, basically. So, for example, we sometimes put roles out um, externally and advertise them externally 
but there's some internal employees that are interested um, in getting onto the grad scheme. So we're going to see them first. We're not going to look at your applications, but just in case they're not very good, we need some external applicants that we can go to, should we need to, and stuff like that. It's Or, you know, it could be unconscious bias or discrimination as to why you didn't get it. Sometimes hiring managers are super petty, so a weak handshake or... um, A um, weak handshake? Yeah, or in investment management, they like people that wear the full suit, so... A shirt and a blazer is not going to cut. If you don't have a tie, they're already thinking, hmm, stuff like that, that you would just never <laughs> think of or know and are super silly and unfair, but could be the reason why you didn't get the job. It doesn't necessarily mean the other person was better. Also, when you apply is super important. Yeah. So um, if you apply earlier, you're more likely to get the job, especially with grad schemes. That's just how it works because those applications come through to us first. We're trying to get people through the process, you know, video interview, assessment center as quickly as possible. The people that are applying, you know, later, the chances are we won't get round to you, as it were, and we've already hired someone by the time you've applied, but we still keep the role open just in case, because what tends to happen is people will get multiple graduate job offers. So then we have to run another assessment center because the person that we initially kind of hired has then decided that actually, yeah, I'm going to go to X company instead and I've fallen foul of this I applied to a I think it was like a mobility society company company that provides like wheelchairs and um, cars for those who weren't um, able-bodied and the grad scheme was great because it was like 32k like salary was really high and I was like oh my gosh I want to work here just spent ages on my application form submitted it but I submitted it like a week or so or even like the day that it closed and then a few <laughs> weeks too late. late way too late a few weeks later but I feel like I spent, I spent a good effort on on it you know it was like a banging application mm. form but a few weeks later I got an email to say oh yeah you you completed it too late and we've already found like our grads for the year and I was like what <laughs> I was like what <laughs> but this buyer submitted it in the closing time yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, oh. a lot of people fall foul. You know that. what? That's such a big one because I didn't realize that back then when I was applying mm. for grads. Like the deadline is not a deadline. It's like um, first come, first served. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. So you you would actually be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna submit this next week Tuesday. You know, I'm gonna spend time on it. <laughs> nah, yeah. you 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 lost your shot now. <laughs> yeah, that happened to me as well. I, I learned the hard way. I honestly, I would say for most of the schemes I applied for, I was applying a day or two before the deadline. Like, now to me, that feels so stupid. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was never going to get the yeah. job. I, and I had no idea. It's a bit sad, to be honest. But yeah, that's why I say don't take rejection personally. And also a big factor is likability. If, if they don't like your personality or your the way you are your persona or how you came across or something they're not going to hire you and that's not necessarily something you can change unfortunately um but ultimately they're thinking do i want to work with you this is an interesting one this likability one because mm. i remember we talk about this all the time on we this talk podcast. about this all the time <laughs> it's problematic for lots of different reasons it is. i 
I remember going to interviews. And I, this is companies that didn't get the job, and that the feedback that they would give me, because when you get to the assessment centres, at least experience I had, I tend to get um, like actual like feedback. <laughs> um, and one of the positive pieces of feedback is that I was likable. I was likable. I'd always get that back, and I would always say to my mum. shit feedback like who wants to be likable I want to be you know I want to be competent I want to be credible yeah I want to I want to be hired (laughs) be likable when I got the job so (laughs) what good does that mean and it always used to annoy me and now I've you know been working for you know years I so so understand just how important or just how much being likable gets you things gets you promotions gets you pay rises gets you um opportunities in the workplace it's just, yeah. it's also subjective because my likable is not going to be stefan's likable it's not going to be your likable serena so it's like exactly it's so so wrong and more than likely you're going to like somebody who has the similar who talks like you who sounds like you who's got the similar interests it's yeah. so riddled in your own bias yeah it's so so problematic yeah i completely agree completely but at the end of the day it's the thing if they're thinking do i want to work with this person because you spend a lot of time at work let's be real mm. you know nine to five five days a week you're thinking are we going to get on is she going to watch the same netflix shows i do do we listen to the same music like do we have the same banter or sense of humor they're thinking this they're honestly thinking this and oftentimes someone will be really good but then the hiring manager will tell me I just don't think, you know, you know the word fit. They like the fit. That's what they're talking about, likability. Mm. Not wow. the right fit. You know what it is as well, yeah? Because um, uh, I don't necessarily drink, right? Mm-hmm. So that's sometimes an issue because I got hired one time and, and um, after I got hired, like on the first or second guy, day, the guy was like, oh, let's go to the pub, get some pints. And I told him, oh, you know what? I don't drink. And his, his response to me was... Um, Oh, oh! I should have known that before I hired you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said to you. Yeah, I mean, he was he was joking, but in some ways he wasn't joking. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. it was yeah. like subconsciously he was like, oh, yeah. I, I don't actually know this guy. Is what he's thinking. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. he's not the fun. He's not the fun guy that I thought he was. Yeah, the drink mm. is a big one. The yeah. other day at work, I lied and said that I had um, I had I drink rum. And I have rum in the house, just so I can be part of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were talking about fancy gins and that. So then they asked me, oh, what kind of rum do you drink? And I was like, the brown one. <laughs> I was like, they, they wanted me to say, oh, like a Jack Daniels. Because they were talking about, you know, different brands of gin and stuff like that. And I just felt like I wanted to be in the conversation. So I just lied. And I was like, why did I do that? That was so silly. <laughs> and they started sending me like all oh, different types of like fancy rums you can get. I was, I was like, like why did you, I lie? Now, now you've jumped yourself in it now. I know. <laughs> but I just yeah. wanted to feel, you know what I mean, part of it. I wanted to be liked. Yeah, mm. I feel people think I drink as much as them. Like, I do drink, but not the way they see, not at the level they seem to be <laughs> drinking at. Because people are like, oh, what's your drink of choice? Once you have a drink of choice, all of a sudden they think you're at the pub, you know, pre-pandemic, you know, every week. No, I I have IBS. When I say I drink, I have one drink, and that's it. <laughs> well, my stomach is very angry at me. Like I think people genuinely think I'm just like them in that way that I drink a lot. But it works for me because if you're gonna assume that, then it's, it it makes my life a bit easier. It does. Yeah. It does. But I really I can't I can't actually drink 
much because <laughs> it makes me ill. <laughs> do, do you know people? Another thing of the likability. Like, I think the drinking is a big is a big aspect, but it's also if you're like quiet or introverted or shy, and you're in a team that's not like that, people don't like you. People don't like people who are shy or quiet or who don't want to speak to them. That's true. They have a yeah. problem with it. Yeah. yeah, they take it. They're like, oh, they're so weird. They don't want to talk to us as they, opposed to maybe there's something wrong with me as to why they don't want to hang out with me. They take it really personal and people don't want to like hang out with you. You know what I've it is? noticed that in my workplace because I don't go to a lot of the socials and people always like to find it really strange and weird. And I'm like, because I'd much rather be at the gym or with my husband than mm. with you guys, which sounds horrible. <laughs> but we're, we're not friend. Like I'm not friends with a lot of people at work. We're colleagues. So I don't yeah. want to spend my free time with you. We should tell them to take this tip and don't take rejection personally. <laughs> <laughs> but they all want to be friends. They always want to be friends. But I don't want my colleagues to be my friends. So it's a it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. And I feel like a lot of black people are like, I don't want to be friends with my, my yeah. work colleagues. A lot of black <laughs> people are like, I just don't want to be. I've got friends. I've got like, yeah, Part I don't need any more friends. Yeah, I don't need any more. I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tip number five. Tip number five is about research. Um, you know, researching the company and the role in the industry that you're applying for. So obviously everyone knows they're meant to do research, but not everyone is doing what I would say the correct research or doing the research properly or to the extent that they need to to stand out or you know look really good in the application so people think research is go on the company's website click on the about us page um, and you're done no that is not gonna cut it um, at all as far as I'm concerned especially because it's super competitive at the moment you need to be doing more than that don't just click on about us go to you know some of the other pages the diversity inclusion page CSR page if they have a people page, their careers page, look at their annual report. Um, often they'll have like a accolades or awards kind of page somewhere in there, benefits, etc. Then you want to be looking at reviews. Go on Glassdoor, go on um, the job crowd and look at reviews from um, current or ex-employees. What are they mm -hmm. saying about the company? Um, and then you want to be also looking at LinkedIn and their other social media. What are they posting? What's been going on recently with the company? Then you want to be searching them on Google um, to see any news that's come up recently. Are they in the headlines for anything? Etc. Etc. I could go on. But that's what we mean, kind of as we, the recruiters, mean when we say do your research. Because those are the kind of things that will make you stand out like an interview. If you know x y or z instead of just their mission is x then yeah you, you're gonna look a lot better yeah that's that's quite useful because as you say like you need to stand out there's so many grads not so many places so you need to stand out and that's one of the ways i think yeah it's an important, important move to make um tip six tip six is kind of what we touched on earlier linkedin Again, I, I, yeah, I did have a LinkedIn 
because that was something the uni told us to get but I didn't you know I hadn't done my profile really I don't think I had a picture and I wasn't using it I wasn't going on it but now today LinkedIn and kind of the networking aspect of that um, is really one of the best resources I would say for grads Mm -hmm. Um, and I just feel like people are still not making the most of it um, and that's kind of holding them back so you know I, I mean I could go into a bit more so you want to connect with people that are in the roles or companies that you aspire to you want to slide into their dms um nine times out of ten people will respond and they're willing to help um you want to be joining the relevant groups you want to be active so you want to be commenting on um the relevant posts so whether that be for a company you want to join or um I don't know, someone that you kind of look up to, you want to be commenting, you want to be liking, you want to be getting involved. Um, it's also a good thing if you say you've got through to interview, go and look up the interviewers or the team on LinkedIn, see how they got to where they are. I always love doing that. And then I'm like, oh, okay, so they graduated similar time to me and now they're in X role and they've gone to this company and did that job um, and kind of see their career journey. And if mine's similar to that, I'm like, okay, so this is something you know, I, you know, they might be looking for someone like me because it's similar to someone they've hired before, stuff like that. Um, just really get into LinkedIn, basically. And obviously make sure you have a, a, a solid profile. Um, the keywords, you know, recruiters search on LinkedIn. You're more likely to pop up if you've done more of your profile, if you've got more of the keywords that they're searching in your profile um, and in your headline, stuff like that. I feel like nowadays LinkedIn is like an essential resource, especially yeah. if you're job hunting, because um, like what you said about looking up your interviewer, I still do that today. You still do? Yeah, yeah. If I'm going to interview someone, I'm going to go check that guy on LinkedIn. Or See, if like... I'm interviewing someone, I'm going to check that guy on LinkedIn the same yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just on that, it's interesting um, when you say, how, you know, talking about how to grow your, your following, because my cousin messaged me, he was like, oh, how do I know? I'm on LinkedIn, how do I grow it type of thing? Mm-hmm. And I was, and I really did not know what to say to her, because like, it's not like an Instagram where you can just like, f- like follow every, any, any and anybody. Because yeah. when people, random people who I've never spoken to want to link up with me, I don't click accept. I don't know who you are. And I yeah. and you may know if you're grads I'm like well I don't think I can help you kind of thing that's why there's no yeah. message with it I did mention to her to kind of join the groups and stuff but other than that I didn't really know what to say so it's good now you've explained the tips that graduates can do to help build up their LinkedIn profile because if you're yeah. a first year grad or a third year grad and you don't really have you know you don't have any contacts because you haven't got a job it's hard to know where to start I think yeah. this is really good for people yeah yeah and you know what? Um, we're talking about getting a graduate, a, a job after graduation, not necessarily a graduate job or scheme. Yeah. So, I mean, recruiters are crawling all over that platform. If you want yeah. a job, just shout on there, and they'll they, they, they'll be there like Batman. You know what I mean? <laughs> they will be there. Do you, have you been headhunted um, on LinkedIn before? people have uh, contacted us and Mm -hmm. sent us messages for jobs i've never accepted a job after being contacted Mm -hmm. directly actually yeah i was gonna say Uh, 
Yeah, for the contracting stuff, I did accept a job after being contacted directly, but not for a perm job. Yeah, I've interviewed for a job where I've been contacted directly, but I've not. But I've not. Um, yeah, I don't think I've accepted it. Because mm. you know, I find they'll just they'll just ping you after anything, and my LinkedIn is sparse. All it says is my two. Like where I worked before, where, I, where my previous companies where I work now, no information as to what I even did there. So when people were saying, "Oh, I think you'd be great for this role," I'm like, nothing on my CV, <laughs> nothing on my LinkedIn even tells you that. <laughs> so, <I> read it. <laughs> yeah, how do you know? All you see is like management consulting. You're like, yeah, I think you'd be really great for this change role. And it's like that's not even what I do. <laughs> I don't do change management. Yeah, but um, if you're yeah. a graduate, you probably won't have that problem. You'll just be like, yeah, yeah. You're looking for entry level jobs, and they will be there. Yeah. yeah. For real. I've been headhunted on LinkedIn quite a few times. I think that's just because I've filled in a lot in my profile. Yeah. So I'm more likely to pop up. And it's usually relevant roles, I would say. Um, I don't think I've necessarily taken any, but I think one of them, yeah, the rec- it was a recruiter from an agency. So I linked up to that agency and then she would send me relevant jobs. And I think at least interviewed for one of those so Mm. it's always a good a good way to bring in kind of you know get the people to come to you as it were you don't always have to go to them yeah that's a good point that's a very good point and now you can also turn on on linkedin you can say that you're actively looking for a job so Mm. should you so like i'm interested in recruiters contacting me you can like toggle that on so that's another way for people to kind of get in touch with you as well yeah exactly I think, yeah, I used to have that on. I mean, I still get people messaging me even when I don't have it on. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is a bit annoying. Um, but it makes yeah. you feel wanted, doesn't it? Yeah. I can't <laughs> complain. So, yeah, LinkedIn, <laughs> that was the sixth tip. All right. Tip seven. Tip seven was about experience. I think I'm tired of getting questions from students and graduates about, oh, I don't have experience in accounting how am I going to get into accounting Mm. okay sweetie you do not need experience no one is expecting you to have experience you're literally 18 19 20 21 years old where are you getting these (laughs) these experiences from and I think it's a big misconception that they think employers are expecting you to have experience in kind of some of the most random stuff like you're applying for uh I don't know or audit scheme or operations how, how are you going to have experience in those kind of things yeah you're mm. not but people put a lot of onus on it and therefore don't apply for certain things um so it's less about the experience more about the transferable skills that is what employers are looking for um so you know the common basic ones like communication teamwork it sounds silly but that is what we're looking for because in 90% of jobs, obviously outside of the technical, that's what they want. And mm. you need examples of that, whether that be from your extracurricular activities, your part-time job at Tesco or at university, those are also the examples we're expecting to see. Um, but people think that's not enough or and, they, and they'll be discounted, you know, the application will be thrown away because they don't have experience. And that's really not true. People put too much onus on that and not enough on skills and like just being enthusiastic and really wanting to join X company and really be willing to learn because that's obviously what you're doing. You you don't know anything, you're there to learn. Show mm. that, you've got a good chance. 
you know what? I think one thing people discount a lot of the time is transferable skills. Mm. And like the thing, the examples you mentioned working in Tesco's or whatever, you've got actually skills and people think, I don't know anything, I don't have anything or an experience, but mm. actually you do. And they just don't count it. And they don't yep. bring it out like in interviews, they don't big it up. They're, those are the things to big up. Exactly. Completely agree. Okay, I think the next tip was something we've already mentioned. Um, yeah. Tip eight. <laughs> that was about applying earlier, but that kind of came up already. Yeah. And um, tip nine? Tip nine was about feedback. So, again, kind of touched on this before. You know, you're getting a thousand, thousands of applications for um, a role where there's only maybe, let's say, two, three positions, which is like common for kind of where I work for now. And then obviously we're unable to give feedback, like individual feedback to every person that applies. We actually only give individual feedback to those who've reached the final stage, which is assessment center for us. Um, and we get a lot of emails. I say we, I manage the mailbox. So I get a lot of emails about, oh, please can I have feedback for people that maybe um, failed at the test stage, which is usually you near know, the beginning. And it's like the feedback I'm going to give you, if even if I had the time to give it to everyone that sent that email, is not even going to be useful. Like people put, again, too much onus on feedback. Like the feedback you receive, take it with a pinch of salt because even what sounds like it would be helpful or what sounds like it's individual to you is often not. It's often slightly generic. Um, and you changing kind of all the things you I told you you did wrong um, in the feedback won't necessarily mean you'll get the next job. And mm -hmm. it's also very subjective as well. You can go to one interviewer, they'll give you X feedback. The other one will give you opposite. It's not that helpful and people put too much onus of it. So if you don't get the feedback, don't worry because I don't actually think it's that helpful, but people think it is. You know what? This one is like um, when I was a grad applying for jobs and I was looking mm -hmm. for tips like this. The, one of the tips would be get feedback. Yeah. And and now we're saying the opposite. Like, well, not the opposite. Not to not get feedback, but like yeah. to take it with a pinch of salt. Yeah. And my experience of of taking the tip of getting feedback and then receiving the feedback and thinking to myself, that is some bullshit. Is um yeah. Definitely take it with a pinch of salt yeah, or just don't even take it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. That's how I felt when I got my feedback. I remember I interviewed at my... I, the first assessment centre that I got to, <clears throat> I interviewed there. We One of the activities we had to do was a presentation. And I think it was about... We had to present something about our childhood or something that's influenced us in our childhood or something like that Yeah. in front of the rest of the individuals who were applying and obviously whoever was in the room, HR... I was applying for procurement, procurement people, whatever. So I got up there and did my interview. Uh, so I did my presentation. I later didn't get the job. And the feedback the woman gave me said, um, I had notes in my hand and to not look down at my notes so much. And I said to the woman, I didn't have any notes. I didn't. When I did my presentation, I, I just did it all from memory. I, I rehearsed it and I just memorized what I was going to say. So I didn't have any like notes there. And then she flip-flopped and said, oh, well, you know, just as some feedback, it's always good to have notes. And, you know, there's no, you're not going to be penalised if you hold any notes in your hand. 
You should just criticize. <laughs> and then I and then and then noticed. I just and then I just was like. Well, that's some bullshit because I didn't, I didn't stutter and I, no, my my presentation was flawless. So it wasn't like I needed. It. Yeah, I practiced it. I rehearsed it in the mirror again and again and again. Did it in front of family and all sorts. So it wasn't like. So first she's there saying to me, "Oh, you had your notes and you was looking down too much." But I said I didn't have no notes. And now she's saying, "Well, because you didn't have any notes, it would be good if you did have notes." And that's when I realised she didn't know. Like she was just giving out some generic stuff. There yeah. was no maybe there's no real reason he didn't get the job. You just didn't, exactly. and that's just really hard to hear. That there's no real reason, but exactly. I generally believe on some of my interviews there was no real reason. I just, yeah, maybe they didn't like the way I spoke, or just just something wasn't vibing with them. Their gut feeling said no, mm. and I, therefore yeah. I just didn't get it. So there was nothing tangible really there. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't blame her in a way. Obviously, she was in the wrong, <laughs> um, but I get it because when even when we give individual feedback. Because of the amount of people you're seeing, um, sometimes you will get mixed up. And sometimes it's individual, but it's generic, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you're just changing around some of the stuff that you would feedback on and then just, you know, putting it in a different spin on it or something. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm, I fall victim to that, but it, it, it's nature of kind of graduate recruitment because we really don't have the time. I think instead of feedback, your own self-reflection mm. is just as useful if not more so yeah i was gonna you say know what you yeah. you did wrong at the end of the day or what you could have done better you know mm. you, you actually know so yeah you do you better yeah you walk away being like that was not a good interview <laughs> <laughs> mm. that didn't go well <laughs> exactly. i agree with that yeah okay uh tip 10 I think we've covered this one already as well yeah we kind of covered this the likability factor i still feel like it's it's underrated um and i think the simplest thing like smiling and giving good <laughs> eye contact and laughing at their dead jokes is honestly <laughs> worth a lot <laughs> it's worth a lot at interview but it really is um that's what makes them like you. That's what makes them want to work with you. Because they think, oh, this girl, she's just so bubbly and friendly. And she, she you know, she has a, a nice laugh and she smiles and she just seems like sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> They're going to like you more. That's just fact. Um, and that's what helps you come across as more enthusiastic. Like that positive body language and gestures and seeming a little energetic. That's what they want at the end of the day so. you know what the, the eye contact one is funny because that's a tip that i took up right mm-hmm. i started doing it in every one of my interviews but then you i, give I good felt eye like contact? not before i made it official like oh. so i really started doing it um but i felt like it started becoming a staring contest <laughs> and then yeah, but don't make it, it weird. I mean, how long <laughs> do I look like... into eye? Then I was like, okay, so I need to flip this up a bit. I need to look into their eyes and then look around a bit and then look into their eyes again. And I've got to flip it around while I'm talking. And then um, COVID happened and there was no more eye contact. And I was like, so what do I look at? Their eyes or the camera? And I was like, well, it kind of makes sense to look at the camera. So now I'm staring hard at this camera and no, I can't even <laughs> see him because I'm not really looking at him. I'm trying to look at the camera. Should no, I be looking at the know... camera? 
No, you shouldn't. They always say that. Don't look at because when you look at the camera, your eyes are slightly off, so it doesn't look like you're looking at the person. You just got to look at the person. It's weird to do. What do you mean? I'm looking at the person because I'm looking at the camera. No. Yeah, you are. What you're meant to do is look at the camera, but then look at them, kind of alternate, basically, without, you know, looking twitchy. But you need to look at the camera. That helps you give a bit of eye contact. But you also need to be seeing how they're receiving what you're saying at the same time. Um, That's what I would advise for video kind of interviews. Yeah, okay. You're the expert. (laughs) Not me. So yeah, yeah, that was tip 10. Tip 11? Tip 11 was about having a strategy, um, the uh, like a job search strategy. You need to have an idea of how you're going to go about it. Because again, when I was graduating, it was a mess. There was no structure, rhyme or reason to what I was doing, what I was applying for, how I was applying for it. It was just a mess. And I think I always say treat finding a job like a job. So you want to get really good at it and you want to really be planned and organized. So a lot of people now would recommend having a tracker so you can see what you've applied for, um, the deadlines, notes, where you're at in the stage, etc. Um, also having a list of requirements as to what you want. And then you can hold that up next to the job description and be like, oh, yes, this ticks my boxes. So salary um extra benefits um the specific i don't know training or development that you're looking for do they offer that tick or do they have flexible working tick do you know do they have a thriving dni team and you know with events and initiatives tick stuff like that so have a list of requirements have yeah, a list I like of that. companies as well that you're actually interested in rather than just applying for all the companies it, that do what you're interested in. Like maybe have a look and think, I want to work for this company. Then when a job comes up for that company, you can, you can kind of be on it and stuff like that. Basically have a strategy. Yeah, yeah I like those, that list of requirements because as a graduate, you don't even think about that kind of thing. You're just trying to get a job, aren't you? Yeah. But, you know, it's good to... Well, my requirement was that they had to be um, giving me 28k or more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was very money orientated. I didn't get that. It didn't happen. That, that isn't that. That's quite high for um, grad salaries. Yeah, yeah. I, I was aiming high, Serena. That's why it didn't work out. Because <laughs> I was applying for BT, Sky, uh, Kellogg's. L'Oreal, all of those like really big companies mm. who would pay between pay yeah twenty six to twenty eight k, kind of around that range, or mm. some really random ones that pay like even thirty two. So yeah, so you, you're just shooting for the stars. <laughs> literally, literally <laughs> for the best. Literally, I, I didn't that. even consider like a small like a smaller company for yeah. a long, long, long time, and in hindsight. I wish I did more because I think I think I could have, as you said earlier, like the experience you could have gotten with a smaller company, the growth and learning, I think maybe would have been more like better for me if I did go for a smaller company. I think I would have learned a lot more. Yeah, I feel but that way 2020. I think I would have liked to 
have worked in startup at some point. Mm. I don't think that's something I can do now just because I need the job security. <laughs> yeah. But when you're fresh out of uni, I think that would be quite fun and a really good learning experience because you get a lot of responsibility um, because they have one person doing 10 roles and you have the energy to do that at that yeah. age as well. Yeah, so. you definitely got the energy to do it for sure. I was yeah. running around doing all sorts. <laughs> <laughs> But it's even I was saying to you the other day, Steph, we um, at my company, it's quite small. And when I joined from a large company into this small company, I would see people who are the same level up as me or junior. And they would do presentations, walk into meetings and they'd be so confident, like present really well, like just really could carry themselves really well in the consulting space. And I was so impressed. And it was because in the company, if you're a grad, they gave you so many great opportunities. Well, they give you six weeks of training, you know, before you even get onto mm. client site, how to write an email, like basic stuff like that, but then also more complex stuff. And then they give you so much guidance when you're on your first client role. They really help you like, I don't know, like just grow and learn when you're really junior. Mm. Whereas sometimes in those big companies, you just go on and do a project or go and do your day job and you're there like struggling because you don't even know how to write an email. You know, do you yeah. start with dear John or <laughs> do you go like many thanks or thanks or like like yeah. all of that stuff? How do you structure it? And you, is it but super you know formal? What? Is it sincerely Nicole? And But it's... one thing I'll say about that is that it's not about whether it's a small or a big company or if it's a startup because you could go to a startup and you think, oh, I'm going to get so much experience. But it could actually be a really bad experience because nobody shows you the right way to do things or yeah. or teaches you the right way to do things in this mm, career. When you go to another true. job, you're actually way out of your depth when you go to another job because you've, you've not learned industry standards. You've just done it to make it work, to make it happen yeah. as a startup. Um, whereas in other situations you may get a bit more of mentorship or or mm. learning or someone will teach you the right ways to do things and then that will set you up for your career ahead. So it doesn't matter whether a small or big company, it's really about your the interview and uh, understanding whether they're going to give you that support or not. Mm. Yeah, that's Actually, such a good point. It's often dependent on who your manager is as well because I feel yeah. like, they have so much influence on how you start off in a role and how you kind of get to grips with everything. And if they're not willing to take the time to show you the ropes, it's only until you do something wrong that they come knocking, <laughs> in my experience. Mm. But because they haven't shown you, you don't know. You're just kind of freestyling. And then as soon as something goes wrong, they're like, oh, okay, I need to teach you how to do X, Y, Z. So your manager plays a big part of that, regardless of the company. Yeah. And, and last, last but last not tip. least, last tip, apply anyway. Apply for jobs, even if you don't meet 100% of the criteria of what they're looking for. You know, I would say 50% and you're good to go. Um, especially women as well. The stats are there. We, we often don't apply unless we meet 80%. While men are applying, they they barely meet anything <laughs> and they get in the job so don't be put off what's your experience with that like people applying and meeting criteria i mean when it comes to kind of grads 
most people meet the criteria because it's quite basic because you know you don't necessarily have to come from a specific degree background or stuff like that as long as you've got decent kind of academics um you've got a good chance but I feel like again it kind of linked with the experience thing people might think oh I haven't got a scooby-doo about tax so maybe I shouldn't apply but actually you should yeah yeah I mean this is this shows all the time statistically like men apply women don't apply people are not confident to apply when they don't have enough mm. you know the criteria but yeah definitely 100 percent yeah. agree with you there because people that have less experience than you or are less qualified are getting the job and you're sitting there you didn't even give yourself the chance mm. it's it's we need to change that i think as women we just need to be confident and just try be willing to fail yeah we don't like failure (laughs) i think we we don't handle it as well but we need to get accustomed to it and keep it stepping to be honest (laughs) and you know what yeah sometimes there's even um skills that you have that's not mentioned on the job description that is valuable to them like if you speak Mm -hmm. another language let's say if it's a global company and you speak one other language they could value that so much they'll just give you a shot yeah because they just need a bit of language diversity and uh, different people who can communicate with different customers extra you know that type of thing yeah that's so true and i think also just came to me actually obviously the whole gender pay gap and um the lack of women in senior positions that's blown up over the last few years and it might actually be kind of on your side as a woman to apply you might have more of a chance because if they have certain initiatives in place in that company it Mm. could give you a leg up that's a good point yeah as as you said gender pay gap this question came to my head what's your thoughts on grads negotiating their salary (laughs) i mean (laughs) where i work and where I've worked before, since I've been doing graduate recruitment, there are bans for grads. So you can try, but there's a band for that specific location and for that specific stream. So negotiating at kind of for if you're trying to get into a grad scheme, no. But if it's a grad job, like an entry level job, go ahead. Why not? You've got nothing to lose because that's a bit more flexible when it comes to salary and pay bands so then I would be like yeah if you've got the kind of the confidence to do that and you have a bit of direction and you've had a look in the market of what's expected Mm. and offering you a lot lower then definitely bring it up okay interesting very very interesting Mm. because I always I would never have thought to do that I just felt so grateful that I had a job to begin with (laughs) I'm negotiating my salaries when I became an experienced hire, but as a grad, definitely not. Yeah. But it only came, someone in my company, and as a grad, negotiated their salary. They weren't successful, but they, they even, they just thought to even ask. I had the balls to even ask, and I was mm. quite surprised by that. So, because again, I wouldn't have thought that that would be an option. And that was a man who did it, because he thought, mm. well, why not? Yeah. What I mean, that can happen is no. Yeah, mm. exactly. Don't ask, don't get, so try so where can people find you? P 
people can find me on Instagram at Elevate Organization. Um, I don't have any other social media for my page yet. I just want to keep growing Instagram, to be honest. Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. Well, thank you for coming on our podcast and sharing your top 12 tips. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Hopefully I was useful to someone out there listening <laughs> no i think you definitely were yeah. definitely no doubt about that and you know what our, some of our listeners are global as well um we've got listeners all around the world so i think that these tips will be useful to anyone anyone in, in, in the, yeah wherever they are thanks serena and we'll catch up with you all next week bye guys If you have any questions or dilemmas, email us on ordinaryblackprofessionals at gmail.com or we can be found on Instagram and Twitter at ordinaryblackprofessionals. Also, don't forget to follow us, subscribe and leave a rating and comment. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.